Men, thanks for listening to our 920 Man Challenge podcast. These are Bible teachings that are meant to be discussed alongside other men in community at our Blankenbaker Man Challenge gathering, where we prioritize developing a competent and confident understanding of who Jesus is and authentic and intentional male relationships. We hope this teaching of God's Word grows your relationship with the Lord, and we urge you to unpack it in your relationship with others. Enjoy! Hey guys, welcome to Man Challenge, the uncensored Arctic ice edition. It was interesting us getting to this room, but we're here, and thank you for zooming in with us this morning. It's not in vain. I just have a sneaky suspicion God is wanting to tell all of us something specific this morning because the craziness to get here, to Zoom with you, um, is evidence that the enemy doesn't want us doing what we're doing. So thank you for making the effort to join us this morning. You know, we had an all-staff meeting this past Tuesday, and in it we were talking about how we want to be a church. We're obviously in this series called Unleashed. We want to be a church that is unleashing uh, we want to be a church that's known to be to unleash the full force of the church to love people one at a time. And Tim Hester, he talked about how, you know, when you think of the term unleashed, well, that means that in order to be unleashed, it means that we were tied up to leash to something. And, and he pointed out that every single one of us are have something that's tying us down, that's that's keeping us around around the noose, noose around the neck. And so, guys, just want to remind us. Man challenge, this isn't, this isn't the solution. This is simply a tool, but it's a powerful tool, and it's a powerful way that we can lean in to become fully known by a few and allow the, the Lord to help us take our next step of faith in the spirit of unleashing each one of us to do what this wall is very coolly, if that's a word, spray-painted behind us one at a time. It's not one crowd at a time. It's one person at a time, one man at a time. And so I just wanted to celebrate briefly a few uh, guys and groups who have been modeling unleashing the full force of the church. Um, Steve Barents and Darren Colwick are two guys who were recently unleashed through the obedience of Christian baptism. I want to just say way to go, guys. And um, just excited to come alongside of you guys and help, help you take your next step of faith and becoming unleashed in a new way. Dave Ernst, Jason Jackson, Mike Farbach, Eric Peterson, and Ben Earps are just five man challenge table leaders who, who let us know some, some movement their groups are doing based on the challenge we gave about, you know, go out and, and unleash the spirit of generosity out in the community. And even uh, globally, uh, one of the groups is leaning in. So guys, way to go. Obviously, we're not doing these things to earn favor with God. But in order and, and instead to be unleashed, to be the people of God that he's calling us to be. So way to go on that. Um, you know, I'm really excited for what we're teeing up this morning. We're in Acts chapter four, verses one to 14 and verse 13. I don't want to steal any thunder, but may we lean in and pursue becoming men that are known for for people responding to us as we're going to hear about in verse 13. And so this morning we're concluding our Man Challenge Unleashed series in, in concert with our, our weekend services. And we've got Sam Reader, Kyle Ottoman with us this morning. So we welcome them. And fellas, let's do it. Thanks, brother. Thanks, Brownie. Good to be with you guys. Morning, man. Wish we could be doing it in person, but I'm glad we get to do it. I'm thankful for this opportunity. And it's awesome how many uh, guys have jumped in this morning. We were laughing. You saw us, if you were on and you saw us laughing a little bit before this thing started, 
is because it's very clear by the names of some of y'all when it comes up that you use your wives and daughters, wives or daughters uh, account. Mm. So uh, that's great. Glad glad that you guys are here and uh, looking forward to studying together. Yeah, me too. So yeah, Ronnie, Ronnie kind of teed us up well. He said that this week we are going to conclude our uh, five-week series, our Unleashed series, where we've been walking through uh, the book of Acts, looking at just some various stories and events and trying to glean some wisdom from it, trying to know our God better through it. Uh, and so uh, as, as we turn to that, uh, that passage today, I would love to just kind of pause real quick and just hear a little bit, if you will, Kyle, how this whole series was developed, where it came from, why we started 2021 with Unleashed. I think my, I would love to know that. I think a lot of our guys would love to know that. Yeah, I'd love to have a chance to talk into that. Um, so part of this comes from being given the assignment at home of taking um, the family dog for a walk. Like so Max is our German Shepherd. He weighs about 95 pounds. And um, on occasion, it falls to me to take that dog for a walk. But mostly it falls to me because I'm the only one in our family that can hold that dog back. Uh, if, especially if we go to the park or something like that, I, I have to be the one uh, to to hang on to it, to hold on to the leash. And and then when you get back home and you take that leash off the dog, I mean, he just runs around, goes crazy. And and, and I love that image of um, what we're called to do as a church to uh, to be set free on mission. And um, one of the convictions I had. Um, especially coming into the transition role for me when I became a senior pastor was just, you know, how do we get the full force of the church to embrace the, the mission so that it's not just, you know, like pastors or staff or people like Sam, but that everybody will understand that they're part of it. Um, and so Unleash is, is that idea that we want to unleash the full force of the church, that it's all of us together, that each of you um, has a role to play in the purpose and, and plan uh, that, that God has unfolding. And I think especially 2021, uh, that's such an important opportunity for us to respond. And, and so I, I really wanted to drive home in this series and with these messages, this, this idea of what the Bible calls the priesthood of all believers, um, that if you have thought of church as a, uh, a social club uh, that exists to meet your needs, then you've missed the point. If you've thought of church as like a, a movie theater where you go for an hour or two a week to be entertained and, uh, you know, drop a 10 bucks, the price of a movie ticket into the offering, then you, you've missed the point. Like, like that's not why the church exists. And, and so um, Unleashed is just the call for the church to be the church. And during this time in our world, um, you know, it, it's never been in my lifetime, it's never been um, more needed. Um, and so that that's where that that's good. call originates. That's cool. Thanks for sharing that. Yeah. Uh, so this week we are going to wrap up our series with actually where you started yours okay. on Sunday mornings. Uh, we'll be in Acts 4. Uh, but before we actually read the passage, I'd love to just give you guys some context real quick. Uh, so what happens in the, the previous chapter in Acts 3, Peter and John, who if you're kind of new to this Bible thing, there are a couple guys that lived and walked with Jesus. Uh, and so he commissioned them at the very beginning of this book. We see 
uh, Luke writes that Jesus commissioned them to go and be his, his uh, representatives essentially everywhere. Um, so these guys are heading into the temple, Peter and John, and they come across a, a lame, a crippled man who is begging, asking for handouts. They make eye contact with him. They show him compassion and, and they say, I don't have any money, but what I do have is better than that. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And, and this is one of those cool uh, stories where we can get it twisted, but Robin did a great job last week of, of helping us have a lens for moments like this that clearly Peter and John did not heal that man. God healed that man. But Peter and John were the agents through which God God mercifully healed him uh, and exhibited his power. So they heal this guy. It creates this big commotion, and it creates this opportunity where he has everyone's ear. So Peter preaches the gospel of Jesus. Beautiful opportunity. He capitalizes. So that's kind of our setting. He's just preached this good news about Jesus, and that's where we pick up our passage uh, in Acts chapter 4. So if you will, guys, open up your Bibles to that, or if you use a smart device, uh, we'll be in Acts 4. We're going to read 1 through 14. And I'll read it this morning from the NIV translation. Uh, so uh, Acts 4, verse 1, Luke writes, The priests and the captain of the temple guard and the Sadducees came to Peter and John while they were speaking to the people. They were greatly disturbed because the apostles were teaching the people, proclaiming in Jesus the resurrection of the dead. They seized Peter and John, and because it was evening, they put him in jail until the next day. But many who heard the message believed, so the number of men who believed grew to about 5,000. Heck of an altar call, if you think about it. Yeah. Verse 5 says, uh, The next day the rulers, the elders, and the teachers of the law met in Jerusalem. Uh, Annas the high priest was there, and so was Caiaphas, John, and Alexander, and others of the high priest's family. They had Peter and John brought before them and began to question them, By what power or by what name did you do this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, Rulers and elders of the people, if we are being called to an account today for an act of kindness shown to a man who is lame uh, and are being asked how he was healed, then know this, you and all the people of Israel, it is by the name of Jesus Christ of Nazareth, whom you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead, that this man stands before you healed. Jesus is the stone you builders rejected, which has become the cornerstone. Salvation is found in no one else, for there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. When they saw the courage of Peter and John and realized they were unschooled, ordinary men, they were astonished, and they took note that these men had been with Jesus. But since they could see that the man who had been healed standing there with them, there was nothing they could say. Heck of a story. Yeah. Uh, so week one of our series, we looked at Peter, and, and last fall we talked a lot about John. Um, but if you will, before we kind of dive into this text, help, help us set up a little bit. Peter and John are a couple guys that resonate. I, I can connect with a lot, and I think a lot of us men can. Maybe talk about a little bit about their story uh, and maybe why they might have wrestled with feeling unqualified to step into this role as the face of the early church. Yeah. Well, you know, they both struggled with uh, some... Uh, Issues that are common to, to men. So let's just touch on it briefly. Uh, so you have John, who, um, as I talked about in the series a bit, you know, before coming 
uh, and becoming a follower of Jesus. Yeah, he uh, was referred to called the son of thunder and, you know, he's kind of known for being a, a bit uh, hot tempered. There's a, a scene in the Gospels where uh, he gets frustrated with this whole village and he asks Jesus for permission to, uh, you know, call down fire from heaven. Sorry. Like, Jesus, can I destroy this village and jesus is like no you can't but but john john was uh that way is something that he when he came to jesus that was um something that he was struggling with i mean that's something he had to really grow in and we see that spiritual growth in his life in fact if you read through uh, the letters that john wrote and if you're if you're new to the bible and you're looking for a, an easy um helpful book to read read first john uh it's it's just a very um simple uh letter john wrote and it's um like don't read his revelation start with first john be my advice but but it's full of love i mean it, he talks constantly about love and so you have you know this man who was known for really struggling with anger and and uh who becomes a messenger of of love um and, and there's just different things about john's life that help us understand like for for example when jesus was on the cross every other disciple um had either left him or betrayed him it was just john and um mary his mother that we are told that are at the foot of the cross so it's only the disciple john and so jesus says to john uh, this is your mother in other words take care of my mother and so it just shows you how um the heart of John uh, connected to Jesus and, and how, you know, Jesus in that moment was entrusting his mother, uh, his mother's care to John. Uh, you know, Peter was someone that if you read through the Gospels, you know, he I think he I mean, I hope I don't want to get in trouble with him later, but I think he dealt with, um, you know, like all of us do in, at different times in different ways, just uh, ego and pride. And so when when Jesus is washing the feet of the disciples, you know, John really had a hard time accepting that. And you know, at first he uh, objected, said, Jesus, I don't want you to wash my feet. Um, you know, that was he was he was too proud for that and and he could be somewhat impulsive which i think can be a common struggle for men too right especially um you know as a sign of immaturity and so when when we see that with with peter early on he's uh, just the, the way he quickly responds and you know always has something to say and um and and overestimates himself and so you know um, when Jesus predicts Peter's betrayal, uh, Peter says, no, I, I would never do that. And, you know, pride comes before a fall, right? Like that's something most of us men can relate to. We think we're really strong and, um, and that ends up becoming, uh, what, what trips us up. And so, um, so they both dealt with these different issues. Peter recently had been reinstated by Jesus. So after Jesus rose from the dead, uh, he went to get Peter. But Peter had gone back to fishing, his fishing, he owned a fishing business. Uh, he had gone back to his fishing business, which was an indication that he, you know, he felt like he had dis disqualified himself or he didn't know what God's purpose could possibly be for him uh, after he betrayed Jesus. So Jesus went and said, no, you're, you know, you're still called, Peter, you're still called. And so he had to overcome uh, just uh, feelings of failure and guilt. Um, and, and so, you know, they come onto this scene. And one of the things that strikes me in this, Sam, is that 
you know, they see this man at the temple. And if you read in the text, it, it said he, he was there. How's it worded? I think every day. Is that the word? Um, uh, yeah, they laid him there daily. Daily. Yeah. He was there daily, which when I read that, one of my thoughts was, okay, that means this guy has been there. They probably seen him before. They'd seen him before. Oh, yeah. Jesus had walked by him and had, had not healed him, mm. which is a really interesting thing oh, yeah. when it comes to trying to understand, you know, why God works and when he works, right? Because clearly the man's healing here in Acts served a, a great purpose for the unleashing of the church. And so, I, and, you know, this may be conjecture on my part, but in my mind, you know, Jesus is walking by him and I don't know if he said it out loud or if he just thought it, but I think he probably said, just wait, mm. just wait. <laughs> it's not, not quite time yet, but God's purpose in this man's healing was not just this man's healing. It, it was the, a purpose to advance the gospel. The, the, he meets this need and has an opportunity then to, uh, you know, to share, to share Jesus. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so as we kind of look at the text itself, and thanks for setting that up, because I think that's so vital uh, for us to to know our context of our, our main guys and, and the setting in which this occurs. Uh, but as we as we look into the text where I think we're going to spend a lot of our time this week, guys, is kind of in the latter half, starting down in verse nine. One thing I'd love for you all to catch, uh, Peter responds to these people who have arrested them. And in verse 9, he says, if we are being example today concerning a good deed done to a crippled man, like if, if we're in trouble because we helped the guy out, then, yeah, I'm going to tell you but the power by which that happened was through the name of Jesus. But it's interesting. And you, you pointed this out when you taught on this was that they, they showed compassion. And in chapter three, it says that they made they made eye contact with him. They looked right at him. Both of them did. And that it begins with compassion. So part of what we see this week and moving from unqualified to being unleashed, it begins with having compassion for others. Uh, I'm going to make a generalization. Okay. And you can correct me if you disagree. Uh, but quickly, last fall, when we were looking at John 14 through 17, and one of the primary messages we, we, we focused on, especially back in October when you were with us here at Man Challenge, we talked about prioritizing connection over production. And how, generally speaking, women are just a lot better at that than men. Um, the theme of compassion, mm -hmm. I think, again, similarly, I think women generally are a lot better at this naturally than men. Mm -hmm. um, I would love to hear why maybe you think that is. And then positively, what do we need to do differently? What needs to change inside of us? Maybe it's here. Maybe it's here. Maybe it's both uh, for us to respond with compassion mm -hmm. and maybe to to see that through a different lens because clearly that's what the early followers of jesus were marked by yeah so i, I take that to mean we should be marked by that too yeah yeah um i would be curious to know why you think that is i you know it's a great question i think if you read through, if you read through the Gospels and you just do a word study on compassion um this is the primary emotion of jesus so jesus you know we don't necessarily think of him being you know, a super emotive person or having all the different emotions that we might deal with. But he, he, he did, you know, he dealt with all kinds of both positive and challenging emotions. But the most common emotion that he dealt with was, or, or had, was compassion. Um, and so if you do the word study on compassion, it's almost always followed by an and 
So it's always compassion. Jesus had compassion and healed their sick. Jesus had compassion and fed the hungry. Jesus had compassion and. And, and so what we know about compassion is that it's more than just a, um, you know, a feeling of, of empathy or sympathy, uh, but it's, it's doing something about the situation. Um, I, I think, you know, one of the, the challenges for us um, and, and for, for the church historically is to mistake um, you know, compassion and sympathy. That, that I'll give you an example of this. If I would could think of myself as a very compassionate person because look, if like if there's a commercial on TV for you know starving children and they're trying to raise you know support for a child, man, I I mean I'll tear up. I I that's that will make me emotional. Um, but compassion isn't me sitting on the couch with tears in my eye. Compassion is me pulling out the phone and calling the number and sponsoring a child, right? So, so the difference there is really important because I think too oftentimes we mistake, we, we feel like, oh, I'm compassionate because uh, I have this emotion or I care about justice or I, you know, I want to, you know, I, I have this... Um, you know, this feeling, but, but Jesus modeled that, you know, the actions have it just so well. I think for men, um, in order to be compassionate, you, you have to have some vulnerability. You have to put yourself in a place of, uh, connecting to someone, uh, in a way that can be uncomfortable. And, um, and so we, we, we might tend to, to avoid that. I think, yeah. um, I, I do think, um, what you said is right about women. I, I'd like to hear what you think about as to why that is, but I agree with it. And I think the re, part of the reason it's hard for us is because it, we let them do it. Like we see uh, that they can, they can do that. You know, I, I certainly do this with my uh, wife and different, you know, if one of the kids is, is hurting, I'm like, go to your mom's side of the bed. Right. Mm -hmm. Because um, I know she's going to be more that way. And so I think, I, I think, be, I don't know as to why, I could guess that I might get myself in trouble. Uh, but I do think that and oftentimes we we recognize that. And so we get let them sit in that seat, even though this was the primary, you know, emotional descriptor of yeah. Jesus. I, I could be wrong with this. But when when I talked to my, my wife about this a few nights ago, uh, I kind of think we have a tendency as men to, to view it as a sign of weakness. Mm -hmm. The same reason in the, in the fruit of the spirit that we don't prioritize or value gentleness, we, we kind of tend to see it as a as a, a lens of, hey, he, he's soft, he's mm -hmm. weak, he's not masculine. We have this machismo kind of deal that uh, there's a lot of reasons we have those feelings, but uh, there's nothing weak about Jesus. Right. And the fact that he's marked by that, I think, is a good point. That you and bring up. and I, I love in the story how they, this is what they lead with. I, I think this is such a helpful, so they lead with compassion, which gives them the opportunity to, to speak. Mm -hmm. And, um, you know, my experience would be, um, that you lead with compassion, you find ways to demonstrate that. And, and then you wait for an opportunity, you know, and that's exactly what Peter and John do. Like they don't start talking about Jesus until someone asks them about their act of compassion. That's a great I mean, point. I'm getting ahead of you. No, that's a great point.
That's awesome. Yeah. They wait for the wait door for it. to be open instead of barging through it. Yeah, that's good. Uh, so, so we saw compassion in, in verse nine. And if, if you keep looking, there's another C word we could look at in verse 13. Uh, it says now when they, and this is the, the people overseeing this hearing or uh, having Peter and John on trial, they say when they saw their courage, or maybe your translation says boldness, when they saw the courage of Peter and John and perceived that they were uneducated, common, unqualified, so to speak, men, they were astonished. And we'll pause right there on the verse. Uh, Luke, the author here, uses that word for courage or boldness three times in this one chapter. So clearly that's something he has on his heart. And and it's kind of go back to what you said about John, remembering the history of the, these guys, these characters. John was, if you've ever seen The Mighty Ducks, Emilio it's Estevez, been a while, but I've seen uh, the Bash Brothers is what I oh, always yeah, think yeah. of with the Sons of Thunder. For me growing up, it was the Bradshaws. But if you okay. take with one of them, you get the whole crew. Uh, and so John's this big, tough guy. And so when you read boldness, I kind of think, oh, yeah, he's this big, the rock just busted through the door, whatever. But really, Luke does a great job of every time he uses that word, he pairs it with the preaching or the sharing of the gospel. No, that's good. Uh, so it's not just courage, like they've got a swollen chest, but rather they're, they're courageous, they're bold in the message that they're carrying forward. That's good. Um, so again, my question for you would be, in looking through the lens of men, that's what we've got here this morning at 630, uh, is, man, I see a lot of guys, myself included, who have no problem being bold and courageous about a lot of things. Mm -hmm. Whether I'm a, a cat or a card, mm -hmm. whether I like MJ or LeBron, mm -hmm. um, whether you're a Tom Brady fan or hater, uh, whether you like Tennessee like Chris Burke or you don't like Tennessee like everybody else, either way, uh, we have no problem being very bold and outspoken about a lot of things. Yeah. Except, I think, I really think there's a, when it comes to faith, yeah. we tend to be pretty, pretty timid. And I, I, that's probably something that happened even early on. I mean, Paul writes to Timothy and reminds him, man, brother, God didn't give you a spirit of timidity. Yeah. You don't have to be timid. So maybe talking to... Well, yeah, yeah. I, it's good. I, you know, I, I think it's really worth pointing out that so they recognize that Peter and John are unschooled, ordinary men. Peter and John are schooled enough to know that the men that they're standing in front of are schooled and extraordinary. Right. Yeah. So they, they know that that um, that the people they're talking to, you know, are the highest educated, the most respected leaders, the most influential and powerful people in their community. They know that. And yet they still speak up. I, I think as it relates to Unleashed, um, one of our leashes that we tend to, um, you know, have, one of the leashes that hold us back is, um, you know, if I'm in a room where I feel like, gosh, I don't really have anything to add. I don't have anything to contribute. Mm -hmm. I don't feel like there's much I could say here. And I'll tell you, you know, I, I struggle with that. I was at a pastor's conference last week and I found myself at a table, you know, with half a dozen other pastors. And, um, you know, I just found, I found myself kind of not saying much, uh, because I looked around the table and I'm like, ah, they, they know more than I know. And they have, a, they are more educated than I'm educated and they've written more books than I've written. And, and, and so I, I think, I think that part of that, that insecurity that we can, we can have, um, can be a leash that keeps us from saying something. One thing, um, you know, that I love about Sam, one of the things that Sam does oftentimes for me is when I'm, I'm uh, coming into work on a Sunday morning to, to preach, I'll get a text message on my phone 
And it's Sam uh, leaving a voicemail, uh, just praying for me, praying for my family, praying for my sermon. And, you know, that means a great deal to me. But, but what, what strikes me about that is, uh, you know, a lot of pastors would, wouldn't feel comfortable necessarily doing it. But the pharmacist uh, does that, right? And to me, that's an example of saying, okay, I'm, I know that God has given me opportunity. And you know that I, I can use encouragement. You know that I, I appreciate those prayers in that moment. And so being intentional to just say, you know, God, God can use me um, because he can use anybody. I just need to say something. I just need to make myself available. I just need to speak. And, and I think, uh, you know, Peter and John do that. But, but what they do so well with here is, you know, Peter says it. He says, um, he says to them, if we're being called, <laughs> if we're being called to account today for an act of kindness. So he's standing on, um, he knows he's not going to win them over with necessarily an argument, an intellectual argument. So he's standing on an act of kindness as a platform to talk about Jesus. Mm-hmm. And, and I would just say that's really hard for people to argue with. And, and, and that's true here, too. Like, hey, are you, you know, Peter's saying to them, are you are you mad because we healed this guy? You know, are you, are you mad because we're we're you know acting in this compassionate way? And that's one of you know my. Uh, convictions for us as a church is is that people may not uh, always love the message. They may feel a little bit threatened by the message. But if we are standing on a platform of compassion and kindness, it should give us greater boldness uh, to speak the name of Jesus into the community. Amen. That's good. So we've seen courage and we've seen compassion. So there's another one more word also starts with C. It's funny how that works. Uh, well done. Alliteration. Uh, the second half of verse 13, catch this, and they recognized that they had been with Jesus. So I'm going to say Christ to help us remember. Compassion, courage, Christ. So they see the boldness of Peter and John. They see that they were unqualified, and they're astonished, and they recognize in light of all of this, that they had spent time with Jesus. Now, very practically, they had spent a lot of time with Jesus. They lived with the dude for three plus years. They had walked around. They saw him have compassion and feeding the thousands upon thousands when they were hungry. They saw him have compassion at the tomb of Lazarus. They, they saw him be courageous and bold when he would, when he would school the, the, the most schooled people, the Pharisees, and they would try to catch him in a trap. They had walked with Jesus. So yes, there's a very practical side to this, But in terms of what we glean from this, if we're supposed to also, as followers of Jesus today, 2021, if we're supposed to be marked by lives of compassion towards others, one at a time, and we're supposed to be courageous and bold sharing the good news of Jesus, and we should be marked by the world looking at how we live and saying, man, they've spent time with Jesus. Well, physically, Jesus isn't walking around here. We're not in, you know, the Near East. Help us out a little bit. Practically, how can we spend time with Jesus? It's, it's a, yeah, it's a great, um, you know, it's a great point here that, that these men, what they notice about, it's be, this is really, really important. It's because they're ordinary that they take notes that they had spent time with Jesus. In other words, if they had been operating out of their own intellectual strength, out of their own resume, then they wouldn't have noted that. It's because they were 
unschooled and ordinary, that Jesus is able to be glorified. And this is really important. The very thing that feels like um, disqualifies you or makes you too ordinary is the very opportunity that Jesus has to demonstrate his strength. So the Apostle Paul talked about it this way. He said, um, my, uh, his strength, the strength of Christ is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will delight in my weakness. I'm not going to, I'm not going to hide back in the shadows because of my weakness. I'm going to light delight in my weakness because the very weakness I struggle with can be a trophy, um, that's held up that shows people the difference Jesus has made in my life. So really, really think about that because the, the very thing that feels like disqualifying to you may be the very thing that God uses that gets people, people's attention. And, and so people are like, well, man, that, that must be the difference that Jesus makes. Mm-hmm. So they recognize that he, they had spent time with Jesus because um, there was something that didn't, you know, there was something that, that had, was different about them. Like they had been familiar with his disciples before, by the way. Uh, but now they're after the resurrection, they, they see, you know, the difference that's made. When, when we uh, sat down here, I hadn't seen Sam in a little while. And I, I said, man, what have you been doing? And uh, I, I hope you don't mind me sharing this. I assume not. No, go for it. I don't care. So he said, uh, uh, and I said, if you, if you look, you've lost some weight. What have you been doing? And he said, I lost like 20 pounds. I'm like, well, what have you been doing? And, uh, and he said he'd been um, uh, running on a treadmill, ran with uh, Eric. Eric, Eric. So that's, that's, that's my connection. Like, I could see that you've spent time with Eric, right? Like, you can tell, you could see that, okay, there's something different based on, the, based on someone you're spending time with, right? And so that, that Jesus, mm. uh, when you spend time with him, you're going you're gonna to begin to, to um, look more like him. People be, will begin to notice that. Here's my challenge for you as far as just practically, well, like, how do I do that? How do I spend time with Jesus? Well, when you're doing what you're doing um, right now, when you're not doing it just to learn information, but you're doing it with a surrendered heart, you're you're spending time with Jesus. You know, when you worship, for me, in the car, um, you know, that's a way of spending time with Jesus. One of my favorite places to pray is in the shower. Um, and, And while I'm in the shower, I'm praying out loud. Um, I'm spending time with Jesus. But but for the disciples, the way they spent time with Jesus, the way they knew him was as a rabbi, not which means teacher, but it wasn't like classroom teacher. They just they just went with him wherever he went and they learned along the way. And that'd be my challenge for you is to have um, the heart of a disciple and Jesus is your rabbi. And what that means is that you're not just going to learn from him for, you know, an hour um on a Thursday morning or, or, you know, an hour on, on a Sunday in church. Uh, but, but throughout the day, you're going to have the posture of, of a learner. You're going to have a posture of the disciple of, of saying, Jesus, would you please um, grow me? Would you please uh, mature me? Would you help me be more like you? And, and, and you do that throughout the day. You pray that throughout the, the day. I, I think when you do that, uh, well, the, the Bible says it in Romans eight. It says um, that those that that those God predestined that he um, he he predestined them to be found in the likeness of His Son Jesus. And I, I and so he, the idea there is that He wants to use anything and everything that happens in your life to make you more like Jesus if you if you will surrender that to Him. That's good. Yeah. So we we've seen 
men who, who, who spend time with Jesus, one of the practical ways to do that is through fellowship, through studying with a surrendered heart, through prayer, through worship. So uh, a lot of you have heard the term spiritual disciplines uh, or uh, habits of grace. So those are things that we do, regular things that can kind of seem ordinary, but they have supernatural impact. Uh, so we encourage you to continue to do those things, to do these things in community, especially. Uh, that's what we see in Acts 2, verse 42, that what they did was they devoted themselves daily to the teachings, to fellowshipping together, to eating together, to praying together, to doing it in community. And, and those who had physically been with Jesus spent time with others, and they spent time with others. And here 2,000 years later, we can still be marked yeah. by the same, uh, the same God. And what's cool is they did it, you know, so Peter and John are, to, are together, mm-hmm. right? It's not like after the resurrection. All, it's, I, I, I just love this uh, idea that the disciples are still hanging out, right? Yeah. They're, they're, to, they're still growing together. They're still on mission together. So it's not just Peter on his way in or John on his way. It's Peter and John uh, together, which is one of the reasons we do this, right? Absolutely. Like it's, it's, we need each other on this journey. That's why in the middle of an ice storm, when the Wi-Fi goes down, the power's out, we still do this. Yeah, Under our right. daughter's account, our wife's Zoom account, <laughs> whatever we have to do. Uh, so guys, real quick, we're going to give you some uh, table discussion questions. Mason will throw them up on the screen for you. Uh, but essentially, they're going to revolve right around where we've been this morning. Uh, so in effect, the first and foremost, we just want you to look at uh, what maybe stood out to you in this passage, maybe how you know God better through his word. Uh, and then just being very real, does the compassion that you show others reflect the heart of Jesus? That's convicting to me, for sure. Uh, when was the last time you boldly shared the gospel with an unbeliever? I'm not talking about talking about scripture with other believers. That's a beautiful thing. We've just said it's valuable, but boldly sharing the gospel with an unbeliever. When was the last time that happened? And, and you know, if I could jump in there yeah. real quick, you know, sharing the gospel, like I think sometimes that feels a little intimidating. Like you, you have to take people on, you know, through some PowerPoint presentation. Oh, yeah. the gospel. But one, it's a simple way to know if you've shared the gospel uh, is to know, well, P- Peter and John do this well, is they, they use the name of Jesus and, um, and, and they do it in a way that um, um, connects Jesus to the love of God, you know, and, 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 and they connect it also to the transformation in somebody's life, right? So if you can use just a simple, like, it's a step further than just inviting somebody to the church, to church, so that, that's part of sharing the gospel. But is if, if you find, and this is where courage comes in, you'll find that the name of Jesus kind of gets stuck. Mm. And so if you can, if you can bring Jesus into it, you know, standing on an act of compassion, um, you know, you've, you have taken a step of sharing the gospel. That's good. And, and you guys, we, we've been trying to, to encourage and equip you men with that along the way in week two, when Wes shared a story and last week, Joe Miles, uh, you guys know this. It's about using your vocation, your career, your profession. You don't have to be an on-staff pastor. Uh, he can and will use all of us wherever we are one at a time to meet the people we're with one at a time. Yep. Uh, last question is, how do you prioritize spending time with Jesus? So as you men go to your groups, some of you, uh, this is going to be on Zoom. Some of you, this is going to be this coming Saturday. Some of you are going to be way more creative than uh, I can think of at the moment. Uh, But however you meet and gather, we just pray that uh, as you look at this text, as you look at God's word, uh, and we try to know Jesus better through it, um, we just 
pray that the Holy Spirit will work through you to do a good work for those around us for their good, but for the glory of God. So thank you guys for zooming in with us and uh, good luck in your time with your tables. Thanks, brothers. Have a good morning. Thanks for listening to this week's Bible teaching from Man Challenge at the Blankenbaker campus of Southeast Christian Church. For more information on how to get involved, reach out to us via the email address in our podcast description or find us on social media. 